This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. Brace yourselves, there's a lot to deal with here. Scott Owen. Firstly, Raw Fans of Melbourne are going to have your head for that. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. Well, the transfer window is closed in the A-League, and that means we're pretty much set for the remainder of the season, and the good news is there were no major additions or departures on the Brisbane Football Review. It is the same three guys as always, James Scott and Adam, coming your way for episode 25 of season seven. God knows how we've made it that long, but uh, it is unheard of stability in the podcasting world. Scott, how are you? Not through a lack of effort, James, I can assure you. How are you? Yeah, I know you've been trying to offload me for the last couple of years, but no one wants to take on my contract. Adam? I haven't sent Adam overseas a couple of times, nothing. <laughs> There's no no interest. Our transfer yeah, agent, it's, Adam? Uh, it's, it's hard, Yak. We'll wait till the domestic transfer win, uh, system is uh, operational. Maybe a more luck then. Yes. But, uh, yeah, good afternoon, gentlemen. You never know. And uh, the crying you hear in the background is my son realising that it's bath time. So, uh, go well, Tommy. Our thoughts are with you. He was also hoping for a transfer, I think. He's disappointed. Yeah, he, he, he wants he wants to just go full-time to his mother because apparently watching football with Dad gets boring. We did actually watch the uh, FA Cup this morning on uh, Paramount+. Plus. It was the Wrexham-Sheffield United tie, and, well, he's still disappointed that Ryan Reynolds' FC has been eliminated. Uh, good riddance to Team America. Well, even though, they're, even though Reynolds is Canadian... Oh, I don't know. Really? I don't care, really. <laughs> and also, let's not forget that uh, Rob McElhaney, while he is you know, financially invested in Wrexham, uh, as the guy responsible for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he may be hoping for a different sort of sporting success over the next few days for the uh, Philadelphia NFL team. Wrexham, of course, James, soon to be in the same league as Manchester City. <laughs> yeah. But, yep. Yeah. No one's questioning our financials because we don't have any. That's right. All right, let's get into it. Uh, We'll talk about the Raw's results from the weekend. We'll start in Adelaide on Saturday night. It's a 2-1 loss to Adelaide, but not without its talking points, especially on the pitch. I I feel like if we saw this effort in weeks one, two, three, or four, we'd be saying, that was a, you know, good performance, hard done by to come away with the loss. But now it's good performance, but not good enough as they went down 2-1 to the Reds. They came out with a very clear plan, but unfortunately, Scott uh, fell just a bit short. The first minute aside, when the Raw could barely get a, a foothold on the ball, they were, they were they start off really poorly. But after that first ten minutes, the next eighty, James, they were really, really impressive. They did have a lot of the ball. They created a lot of opportunities, and unfortunately, the tail of the season for the Raw is they just don't take the chances that they create. Unfortunately, and Adelaide came through with the late winner from Iran Kunda and. You're right, they played really well, but at this point of the season, they do need to start getting some results as opposed to just playing well. There's some individual moments in the game which we'll probably talk about in the next few minutes, but on the whole, a decent performance, but need to start picking up points, unfortunately. Yeah, we're at the stage of the season now where when we're in the rawest position, that decent performances don't just don't cut it as far as you know the end result uh look at the end of day at the end of the day it's zero points earned and two one loss and you can, you can also tell the frustration you know just uh, just some of, some of the sort of comments that uh, come out after the game you know it, it's just yeah it is it, becoming a very very uh 
I guess a frustrating place at the moment because look, yeah, the raw were good value, and that, and it was a, it was a moment of brilliance after a moment of sort of you know a poor play that they handed the winner to Adelaide United. But um, yeah, like I said, and uh, as you rightly said, you know, if, if if this is a performance in week, you know, week four, you say, oh well, it happens, you move on. Problem is that for the raw, you know, the time is is ticking low, and I, I think it's getting to the point where um, it might be too little, too late. As far as you know, if they once they get get it all together and, and try and put a run, it may be for naught. Well, yeah, and that's where I keep coming back to as well, where they've lost. Four of their last five now, either uh, to either side of the draw with Melbourne City, which again that was a good point. But you know, one point out of a possible fifteen does leave you wanting more, especially when you consider this was a side that began that run. I'm pretty sure in fourth place on the ladder, and now they find themselves down near the bottom just because of how tight the competition is. And yeah, it it was frustrating. Things just aren't breaking their way as well. And they just cannot seem to catch a break. And my big concern right now is that the frustration does really, like, is really evident. Even just watching it on TV from a distance, you're seeing the frustration of a group of players that know or that feel and in their mind say no, they're definitely better than their current string of results suggest at the moment. And that is probably where they are finding the biggest issue with this current lack of results overall where you know from, from the top to the bottom they all know they need to start winning and it's just not coming their way and look they they went to Adelaide with a very clear plan um, they were trying to attack Joe Gauci at set pieces who was very very vulnerable I think Tom Aldred in his post game with Channel 10 called him um, flappy something or other or like, it, like he <laughs> flappy fl- hands I think he called him yeah flappy hands yeah yeah it was it basically just calling him out saying like they thought they had the winning strategy and if not for a lengthy and arguably inconclusive VAR process it would have been at the very least a 2-2 draw with that and I, I do want to give credit now this is purely my gut feeling and I don't know it to be true but I'm going to give plenty of credit to Paul Jones the goalkeeping coach because I think he was the one that would have studied the footage and come out and said I think we can get after this guy by just putting him under pressure uh, with corners and set pieces right in that six yard box and it paid dividends especially off that first goal Scott It did absolutely pay dividends it was clearly a very well thought out strategy and not for the first time the Raw have come up with little strategies like that in games where they target particular weaknesses of a particular team they clearly noticed something in Joe Gauchy's goalkeeping James that he is not good at crosses on his goal line he might be okay coming and taking them further out, but when they're right on top of him, he, tend, he clearly has a deficiency in his game, and that's that's what the Raw clearly targeted. The first goal, they do, the goal they did end up being given, came from that as well with a nice finish from Joe Knowles on the near post. And then there was the second one, which, I mean, I get the, I get the complaints. I do. I genuinely understand the Raw's complaint, but we all know the rule. You can't touch the goalkeeper. Whether it's fair or foul... As soon as he got touched, you knew you knew they're going to check it. And as soon as they went and checked it and saw one replay, you knew what was going to happen. I thought Andy Harper explained that really well on the commentary. Actually. He said, I can see why it's been given, but there probably should be more latitude given to, to the attacking player in those instances. So I can understand the rules complaint, but we all understand why it was ruled out and why it was probably 
unfortunately the right decision. A frustratingly correct interpretation of the letter of the law is the way I describe that. Would have loved to have seen it stand because I still think the contact on Gauchi's shoulder was incidental, but conversely, say that was Hiroshi Ibasuki doing that on Jordan Holmes, I'm fairly certain we would all be screaming bloody murder at him. Yeah, look, that's the things I, I, I agree with you. Your boy's sentiments on that is that, that yeah, look, I as disappointing as that decision was um, to get overturned, I, I can see where it came from. I, I just question about whether, you know, benefit of the doubt as far as, you know, well, I say benefit of the doubt, whether it was conclusive that, that Joe Knowles, you know, definitely took out Joe Gauchi there. It wasn't, you know, a co- competition. They're considering that it was the fact that that Joe Gauchi was probably already beaten from, you know, from the corner. That, you know, it was a, it was a got to remember, it was a corner that went directly in, you know, from Carlo Armiento's boot. So, so, whether, yeah, but I, like I so said, as we know, you know, as a guideline, look, you, you lay a finger on, on a keeper in a live situation. Yeah, nine out of ten times, you, you're going to uh, get that uh, overturned. I think the one last time I saw it not get overturned was in 2006. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what happened uh, in that instance with Mark Schwarzer against Japan in the World Cup. But The rest really hated us in that World Cup, didn't they? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Lewis... The fix was in. Uh, to him, but... Uh, yeah, and I will. Did mind. you see on the replay? Nearly tried to rip the TV screen off the, the boot the TV right. screen down the touchline. But anyway, I miss those days. Yeah, but yeah. either way, like, yeah, I, I can see why they reached that decision. It doesn't make it suck any less from my perspective. But yeah, a frustratingly correct interpretation is what I keep coming back to. And look, I think the way we've summed up, especially the last. Well, basically, since the uh, World Cup break ended, it has felt like the Raw know where their shortcomings are. And I think why this one really stung is they thought they'd found a pretty clever way to work around the shortcomings up front and just lack of bodies overall because well, there was no Robbie Cruz, no Marcel Chinati. The new signings haven't really had a chance to come in and contribute yet. More on that later. But... I think they felt really good about the way that they were planning on working their way around those like shortages in the squad and they thought that they'd done enough to come away with a win there and unfortunately it was a piece of brilliance from the teenager Irukunda off the bench the kid is 16 and look you've got to sometimes just give the opponent credit for just being like coming in and being the best player on the pitch. Scott, we'll go to you first because I know Adam's got uh, a love letter to write to Irukunda. Well, he can he can keep writing for just a moment because this is the second time Nesta Irukunda has come off the bench for Adelaide against Brisbane Raw in this season, James, and absolutely been spectacular. Came on at half time, I think, in that first game back from the World Cup break, at, and he was absolutely dominant in that game up at, up in Redcliffe, and then he came on in this game. The thing I like most about it, if you saw his post game interview, is his attitude. He's not satisfied. He he knows he has to improve, and he's talking about. It. He said, he, "I didn't play all that well, but I scored." And that's the, that's the great that's the really great thing about the the best players is they know when they're not playing well, and they they want to find ways to get better. So I think he's a a real prospect for sure. It goes without saying, but the attitude, almost as much as the actual football ability, is what what will carry him. Cap him, Arnie. But um, my other point on that as well is, I I love that post game interview, but I 
do like I understand wanting to be hard on himself, especially because Carl Viet had to sit him down uh, once or twice just to talk to him about professionalism and work ethic. And I think he's managed what is still essentially a kid really, really well. But I do hope at some point, like Irukunda is at least able to sit back and go, you know what? I scored the winning goal for my team again. Like I hope there is still a part of his mind that doesn't like. Like, they can at least appreciate the fact that he's off to a really good start in his career. And if I'm Adelaide, I'm thinking that's probably going to add another zero to his uh, future sell-on clause. Yeah, look, I think what what fascinates me about Aran Kunder and him, like, see, he, he is one of my favourite players in the league right now. And it is because the, he is just fearless. And you knew the moment he intercepted that, that ball from um, Jared Shea. He had one thing in mind, you could just tell, and, and that's drive and shoot. And that, that's just instinct that, you know, it seems to be, not only it seems to be, you know, lacking to a point in the league, it seems to be, to, to the most part, what's being coached out a lot of our, our kids in the youth development at the moment. So the fact that, you know, he, he had, has the guile to, to sort of, you know, make one decision. And you know what, if he, miss, if he missed or he shot it wide, I don't think anyone would really, you know, would really care. I think it's it that good a play, but the fact that he, you know, just, just put his uh, boot through it, and, you know, he gave Jordan Holmes no chance. And then I don't think there'd be many keepers in this league that would have had any chance on that. So, look, to that point, um, you got to say that this was one of those times where you go, you know what, you know, the, he, took, he took the moment, he scored. And that's, at the end of the day, it's something that the Raw are not doing at the moment, are taking their opportunities, be it, you know, fair and square or having it taken off them. Yeah, and I think it also just comes down to the fact that Eric Kunder is one of those promising young players that in a way, doesn't actually know any better. So, uh, That's the best thing. Yeah. And look, I think eventually he's going to make Adelaide a lot of money. I keep joking to you guys that our Facebook chat is bugged. The minute I said that, the next five tweets I saw popping up were basically of the same thing, going, all right, which European club is going to sign here in Kunda before too long? And I hope he stays at Adelaide for another year or two. Just give him that little grounding before sending him overseas. But I would not be surprised... To find him as a part of Australia's starting lineup in uh, the 2026 World Cup. I'll just I'll just add to, to what I was saying, and not just to Rankunda, but there's a number of, of players that are all of African descent. I think it's a case of look right now, like at some point he is going to, to be to become, as he says, one of the world's best footballers. He's going to have to fit into a system. He's going to have to, you know, uh, you know, and go go away, and there's going to be trials and tribulations. But I think the most key point, he's 16 years old. And I think the worst thing you can do right now is try and bowl that up and try and sort of put him in a system. Let him be, let him enjoy it. There's, there's plenty of time in his career for him to, you know, to be able to be fitted into, moulded into a system. You know, not necessarily in this country. It might be over in Europe. It might be somewhere else. So, and I think at the moment, and I know Carl Viet, we, we, I know we asked the question when, when they were up here for, um, for that game at Curry Stadium a few weeks ago. Is like I said, I think they've got the they've got the right thing and the right attitude with him. Is that just, uh, just let him be and just you know gently mould him into that? And then like I said he's 16 years old. And that's the most fascinating thing about it. Yeah, and yeah, well, a lot of young players break onto the scene, James, but they're not given a lot of defensive responsibilities in their their early appearances. It's really just go out there and show what you can do and express yourself. Mm. It's when they're given that little bit of extra defensive responsibility and they have to contribute more to the structures of the team 
that's when the development will kick in for Nestorine. If he can continue to, to produce as he is at the attacking end while also being a part of the defensive unit, that's when you know you've got a really serious player on your hands. But great, great hopefully, just I'm sure he lesson. can do that. Plenty of players do it. It's just the way they often start out with a express yourself and then we'll worry about everything else after that. Yeah. Um, I'll quickly mention my 3-2-1 player of the year votes. Tom Aldred, 3. He was all over the place again, even acting as an auxiliary striker late on. Uh, two points, Joe Knowles. Clever little run for his uh, and the Raw's only goal of the night. And Carlo Armiento, another point. Thought his set-piece delivery uh, for the time he was on the pitch was pretty damn good as well. Um, and we are kind of rushing through that because I did just want to spend about five or so minutes talking about the Channel 10 uh, post-match show, which I left running just because I couldn't be bothered changing the TV and I'm actually really glad I stuck with it because it felt like, Scott, there was a little bit of I want to say informed opinions uh, being uttered by the uh, commentary team, especially Bruce Jitte and Tara Russian about the frustrations that seem to be building in the Raw camp just over the way things are going at the moment. Just for a touch on that, congratulations Tara Skamulka on his debut on Saturday Night Player number 200 and three for the Brisbane Raw, but it was very clear, wasn't it, in the the post game? So there was a very pretty serious discussion two or three times over that that um, post game, so about half an hour there, where they were talking about the frustrations at the Brisbane Raw in the way that at the time there were clearly questions on would they be bringing in players. Turns out in hindsight, yes, they have. We'll get into that in a minute, but it was a pretty serious conversation, wasn't it, or in terms of clearly there's some frustrations that are bubbling to the surface in at least in the 10 commentators mind and it was an interesting chat that they went through and without really saying a whole lot they kind of hinted that there's a bit of frustration going on behind the scenes yeah and i think oh well, you you watch the post-game interviews from warren moon and tom aldred as well i think that frustration is there for all to see as well i don't think that's really a whole lot of a you know well-kept secret where this is a side that knows they need to be doing better than they are at the moment because it's a bit of a you know NFL theory being brought in but when you bring in a guy like Ante Kovacevic he's not here to just maintain the status quo he is here to like build up a team and he I would assume that a lot of these guys are essentially going on some sort of an audition both players and staff and they maybe feel that they're not being given the best opportunity to Put their best foot forward, and you do you do feel for them as well. And I think what I keep coming back to as well, Adam, is like the the point we keep making over the last little while. This is a competition where they are more like where any team can make some noise over the remaining ten or so weeks. And I think this is a side that still feels like they've got a lot to offer over the coming months. It's. Um, I think the, the the thing is, I think with the frustration, I think also as well what, what, from the outside looking in, is that this is a team that you know are close. They're they're close, but it's not good enough in a results driven business. And I think I think it would be even. I think it'd be easier to say that you know if they were getting beaten comp- comprehensively two two three nil every week, and they're just they're just not not in at the races. You know, as far as the rest of the competition, it's probably easier to say, oh, we're just not good enough. But this is a side that, even though they've, got, they've only managed to pick up one point in their last 15 on offer, they are still close enough. And I think that's a frustration is that, and if, you know, if I guess if they had the points in the bank earlier in the season, 
this is not so bad. Like, you look at that nine-match unbeaten streak. You turn six of those in, into wins, and all of a sudden you say, okay, it's a, mid, it's a mid-season slump. Whereas now, this is a case of it's, you know, all hands on deck. There's trouble. And even though the A-League, there is no relegation, that's one thing that, you know, those that are pro-relegation advocates seem to point out, oh, there's no consequence. Um, I'd like to tell you the uh, players and the staff, I reckon I would say that if they don't, you know, get some sort of success out of the rest of the season, I think most of them might be out of a job, or at least with the Brisbane Football Club, but Brisbane Royal Football Club by the time the season ends. Because I think it may not be relegation, but I think uh, contracts are on the line. Scott? Yeah, we've seen it in the past. And yes, I, I get the point about the relegation, and yeah, there's not in the league, but the teams that do finish at the bottom, there's normally a fair degree of turnover, isn't there? So there is always something on the line. This, it, this, it's a really crucial three weeks just for the Raw coming up because they've got Central Coast, Sydney and Perth. Two of those three games are at home. But they're all three teams that are in pretty good form. I mean, even Sydney in the last couple of games have just started to find themselves a little bit. So this three-week period now is going to be absolutely crucial for the Brisbane Roar. How quickly can they get the new signings up and running? They've got, they're all in the door now. We know that. The window's closed. What they have, what they have, and they've brought in a host of players we'll get to. How quickly can they get them up to speed? And can they get the results in the next couple of weeks? Because there's 11 games to go, James. But these next three are going to be absolutely crucial against three teams who are fighting for spots in the top six and had really good seasons two of the three and Sydney just found some form so these next three games are going to be really really important and we'll talk about the transfers coming up but just above all else it's just arresting the uh, slide in results and just injecting a little bit of confidence and joy back into this side and like like we've spoken to the players we know that a lot of them do generally have that sort of I want to say like professional but positive outlook like day to day and I think right now I can't imagine any of them are really enjoying how things are tracking right now so I think for me it's just a case of getting some confidence two wins since the World Cup break yes victory in Newcastle right yep that's right so just finding yeah it's just finding a way to build that up but like you look at the uh, ladder at the moment three wins seven draws five losses you turn one of those draws into a, into a win, that's 18 points. You turn one of those losses into a draw, you, oh, you're basically right there with Sydney FC. It's, yeah. So there's a lot to play for coming forward. Um, we'll get onto that a little bit more. But right now, we're going to talk about a raw side that did pick up a win in Adelaide, and that is the A-League women who had a real, like, just rough arm wrestle against Adelaide United in a match that I'm pretty sure left several players battered and bruised, but the Raw did come away with all three points thanks to a late Jesse Rashett goal and a big confidence-boosting win for a side that needed it in that competition as well, Adam. Yeah, I um, I said that they, they'll probably, they they probably need the win and they uh, they duly saluted. So, but obviously not in the not in the manner I thought they would. I thought that they might actually, you know, start start goal score, start the goal scoring spree. But uh, yeah, a uh, opportunistic uh, Jesse Rashard winner, an unlikely hero, her first goal uh, in the A League women. And uh, yeah, look at the end of the day, I think both teams would have been, I guess, satisfied with a point out of that because it was a tough, bruising game. But like I said, 
this game is all about opportunities, and uh, Jesse Rashart was there to uh, take that opportunity. And also, as well, it's good to see Hensley handcuffed. You know, really, you know, after I think she had a, he said, had a couple of rough weeks in previous weeks, she really was back to her best and made some key saves, especially at the end of the game. Yeah, handcuff was great at the end of the game. This it was a game that, for the most part, James lacked goal mouth activity, wasn't it? I think the Raw only had maybe one or two shots on target in the match. Adelaide only a handful more than that. It was almost like it was two sides who lacked a bit of confidence in the front third trying to figure out a way to regain some of that confidence. And from the Raw's perspective, they got a couple of set pieces and they made one count, didn't they, with the goal for Jesse Rashard. So it might not have been pretty, but it was an effective win, James. And for the Raw, in the context of where they are in their season, like I said with the men's team, they start picking up points. And three points on the road against Adelaide is a really really important three points for the context of the season and now they come home this weekend and look to to push towards that top four which is looking like it is probably a race between five teams I don't think anyone other than the Raw at this point can probably get into that four so it's probably a battle between five teams which you thought at the start of the year and Raw are trying to close that gap but it's a crucial three points yeah just trying to find a way to uh, crash that party as it were but yeah, I'm looking back now and just thinking, you mentioned as well, like, this is a side that definitely needed the confidence boost of that win. Going on the road, picking up three points, and earning a clean sheet as well. And it is similar to what we were talking about with the men's team, where they needed, like, the performance wasn't necessarily key there. It was the scoreboard when the referee blew full time. And Look, I don't think uh, many people will say that's the best game that they've ever watched, but it doesn't have to be. They just need to keep finding ways to pick up wins, stay busy, um, and just give themselves something to play for in the coming weeks. A couple of things I did want to uh, just to ask you guys about on this too. Scott, did you see Katrina Gorey's bandage um, in the first half as well? It was brought up on the broadcast, and eventually she just decided, no, that's uncomfortable, I'm getting rid of it. Yeah, she had it in the first half, didn't she? Ran to one of her legs and it was gone in the second half. So maybe it was just too too restrictive for her in terms of her movement. And it, she did play better in the second half without it. So I'm not sure whether there's a serious injury there, but have to wait and see. Hope, hopefully it's not nothing too serious. Because I know what an important player Katrina is, not just for the Raw, but also for the national team. So hopefully it's not anything that's going to be a serious concern going forward. But yes, I did notice it. Adam? Yeah, well, it's interesting that um, obviously the Cup of Nations is two weeks and the league actually goes on break after next week. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, whether she appears with that bandage or shows any signs of discomfort, you know, going into the match on Saturday, uh, which uh, we'll get in the preview later. But uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, that could be a big thing because obviously uh, now would not be a great time for her to get pick up an injury with such an important lead up for the um, for, for the Matildas being the, the Cup of Nations in, in two weeks' time in New South Wales. Yep. Um, and yeah, the, the other thing I, I'm still trying to work out several days after the match is how Shay Connors managed to get a yellow card for getting fouled. I know it was the. Uh, there was a trailing arm that contacted. Was it uh, one of the Adelaide players? I'm drawing uh, a blank. Was it, was it was her leg, wasn't it? Well, she went down holding her yeah, nose. It's a, a back. I think it's a back heel on um, a what, what looked like an unintentional back heel on uh, Chelsea Dorper. I think it was. That's right. Yeah. That was down. Yeah. But either way. Yeah, I'd found that bizarre. I mean, 
Oh, if the referee says she kicked out, because if the referee said she kicked out, surely he gave the wrong card. It mm. was just a really, really odd thing. I mean, to, to give a yellow card, there's almost like, oh, something happened. I don't really don't know what happened. We'll give a yellow card, but it was really odd. To me, it was incredibly harsh, but it didn't cost yeah, more anything. Uh, look, I, end, I, so. I agree with that. You know, if it, like I said, it's almost like, oh, you, we're going to give you a yellow card because we're not sure, which then means that you can't go back and review. Because if it was intentional, uh, and being objective here, that you know, Clearly if wasn't, it was intentional, it's a, it's a red card. It's, yeah. it, it's there's, there's no clear either that or it was accidental and it should have been nothing at all. So, yeah, it was a red one. But that, that does a, there's a few decisions. I think both both sides feel a little bit um, questioning after after the game. I think. Uh, what wasn't wasn't the most straightforward refereeing performance, unfortunately. Yeah, but either way, they got through another ninety minutes, three points, and uh, that means Adam, it's your turn to do the three. More great scheduling, I should say, by the way, yeah. as well. Another tremendous <laughs> kickoff time. Yeah, well, uh, <sighs> we'll yeah we'll we'll leave that for this week because we've got other stuff to talk about, including Adam's three two one player of the year vote. So yep. who have you got? Yeah, three points. Jamila Rankin thought she was she was excellent. Uh, in defence, I think obviously we we continue to see her develop into a very very strong uh, centre back, and this was one you know one of her better performances. Two points at Jesse Rashard. I think you can't go without mentioning that you know she get the game win goal, but also as well you know did a, a ton of work down that down that left side, and one point to Hensley handcuff. You know good to see her you know keep a clean sheet. Yep, that's pretty much it now. We did uh, start off talking about the transfer business for the Raw last week. Uh, I think we left off with the reported but not confirmed story that they were signing uh, Robbie Cruz. And there was two in, two out on deadline day yesterday. Defenders Anton Milanaric and Connor Chapman departed. Chapman uh, was part of the victory's frantic recruiting spree. Going the other way was young left-back Noah Smith, just helping to strengthen a position of need for the Raw. And... The headline story, as first reported by John O. Williams from Channel 10, Stefan Sepovic. I think that's close to how oh, it's... Sepovic, yeah. Sounded Which, good, James. Yeah, I'll uh, do what I can to get confirmation this week. But uh, for the time being, that's what we'll go with, Sepovic. Um, yeah, a Serbian striker with a fairly lengthy resume of um, clubs. He's, uh, I, think I, I think we counted... The Raw will be his eleventh or twelfth club in his career. Um, no, between between him and Noah Smith, there's more clubs than you'll find at a golf course. But <laughs> mute, mute yourself for the next two minutes, Scott. That was awful. I'm giving you an ice hockey style penalty. Uh. <laughs> but um, yeah, 33 year old striker. I'm, you know, maybe that's just uh, the way I've changed over the last few years. But I'm definitely not calling a 33 year old old anymore. But uh, yeah, that's just one of those things that changes with perspective. It's only for the rest of the season as well, so it does very much seem like just a case of bringing in a body who might be able to help in the short term and seeing what he can offer from here on out, Adam. Yeah, look, uh, and he's, he's a player that has, you know, as, as you said, a very, very uh, lengthy uh, resume as well. And look, I wouldn't be put off by the number of clubs because it sounds like that maybe he might be an expert in going in on a short-term contract and doing the business. Uh, like I said, you know, a, a league winner in three countries, you know, being you know, in, you know, in, hung- in, in Hungary, in, uh, in Spain, and in, uh, in Scotland for Celtic. 
So, so, so yeah, and, and 100, 103 goals in 380 senior appearances. So, again, it, you can you can say that yeah, it's old, but you know what what is old? You know, it, it was experience. Um, look, he, he didn't set the world on fire. His last club in the uh, Cypriot First Division, but then again, you know, it's it, it's a case of you know it. Yeah, he he saw he comes with a good pedigree and. I think we've just got to hope that it just, to me it seems like this is a I'm not going to call it a desperate signing but a signing which you need immediate results and I think this is the task that's ahead of him because the Raw immediately need goals I describe it as a signing designed purely to fill a hole for the rest of the coming season I don't think he's necessarily going to be around to you know, try and be the long term striker for the next five years like some of these other players they might have been hoping to be as well I think it's basically just signing a guy that fits the profile of experience and a decent goal scoring record to fill a hole and he was essentially the best option available alright Scott your penalty time is over what have you got to say on this uh, more terrible refereeing there from you by the way that's what I'll start but in all seriousness <laughs> you look at you look at um his record. It's very similar to Andrei Kaludovic, isn't it, when he arrived at the Raw at roughly the same time in a season, almost the same type of a situation for the club as well. So, And he had a pretty similar pedigree before he arrived. And you look at what he did in his time here in the A-League league for the Raw, that was pretty good. I think it was five goals in ten or something roughly along those lines. So it's not a, it's a, it's a, it's a path the Raw have gone down before. So I think Adam said basically if it works, it's, it'll be it could be the long-term solution. If not, it's he's here for the end of the season. So I don't have a problem with bringing him in. It's a it's a position we know they desperately needed to bring somebody in. They haven't scored enough goals this season. He's proven he's a goal scorer in European competitions all around the all around the continent. He can clearly adapt to different scenarios. So it's a worthwhile punt, isn't it, James? I mean, they had to bring somebody in, and you might as well bring someone in who's proven he can adapt to different different leagues and situations and someone who can score goals so I think it's a worthwhile signing and hopefully we see him banging in the goals for the Raw sooner rather than later I know you're I've, I've got I've got a stat here um, three three of the clubs that uh, that Sefovic has played for uh, the Spanish clubs Malaga Sporting Gijon and Getafe um, the last player to have done played those three clubs and feature in the A-League was one Diego Castro so if he, if if he's half as good as him, I know you don't agree necessarily, or can actually defend, as you like to say about Diego Castro. Look, I think we'll be on a winner. But to me, he seems like a a uh, a, you know, a hired gun, and I think that's what I think at this stage is what we want. But look, um, yeah, that's I I, I gotta say that you know, I actually stole that that stat from our friends over at Farplay. Uh, far pipes birth, so do you keep you so, keep stealing yeah. James's material? You'll be in the penalty box as well. <laughs> it was his material. Oh, except the air. Um, yeah, well, I was going to make that joke as well, but yeah, like in terms of just if you list the attributes of him, is yeah, veteran veteran striker experience. He ticks the boxes. When you look at the specific player resume, I do still have some questions. Uh, I think it's been a while since he's actually played, according to some. As well, I don't think he's uh, featured of late. When does, it, does the Cypriot League run um, calendar year, or does it run it like most European have, leagues? I think it must do calendar year. 
I okay. think. That's 20, that's, that was his last club over in Cyprus. So. Okay, so November. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't hate the signing, but I am also not thinking this is going to be the... Automatically, this is going to be the saviour for all the Raw's woes. I would like him to be, but it's one of those situations where... Let's just see how it goes, because bringing in this many new players as well does suggest that there is going to be a... Like I, I'm hoping it's not a long acclimatisation period, but there is going to be a betting in period where he's got to find himself on the same page as Chinati, Cruz, uh, Miliuznic, Armiento, and I honestly think with the two defensive players uh, leaving as well, I think uh, Warren is going to essentially have to completely rejig his system, and look, he's shown an ability to be flexible, you know, playing back five, back four, back three, however you want to deploy them, but I do think there is going to have to be a little bit of a reacclimatization period saying, all right, this is our new best 11 and this is how we're going to play most weeks. The one uh, thing I did also want to uh, mention about the striker as well, and um, okay, well, Scott's just uh, done a bit of research on Wiki saying they run like most European leagues, so it hasn't featured since November pr- uh, prior to the World Cup. Um, just back to the striker though, like, I did see a few suggestions saying that you know it should order like this spot should have gone to a young Australian player looking to like looking for an opportunity like you know Andy Pangeli is the name that seems to be the popular option now that Jez Lofthouse is a part of the Raw squad but I've got to be honest like if you're going out and signing an Andy Pangeli or a Harry Sawyer out of NPL South Queensland or if you're going and signing he's in India by the way not South he's Queensland India. oh is yeah. he left now you're in the penalty box now for that. Yeah, well, I'm the host, so uh, deal with it. Um, but, okay, you, you go and sign a Harry Sawyer. You go and sign a, you know, even a Zach Kierpel, one of the uh, young strikers for Olympic. It's not a great situation where you're signing someone, you know, at or just above 20 years old saying, all right, you need to come in and score 10 goals in 10 games while also learning how to play at the professional uh, level. And, oh, by the way, we need you to come in and, as we were talking about before, save a bunch of guys' jobs. Like, I would... Yeah, and basically carry a team to the final. And if you're Pengeli or Kierpal or someone along those lines, are you really wanting this to be your primary opportunity at A-League level as well? Like, yeah, I feel like that's setting the club up to be in a position to fail and also setting the striker up in a position to fail... And it's not something that's going to be beneficial for either party. Yeah, you need both, don't you? You need to have that experienced centre forward who has the proven quality and ability to get you results in the A-League games. And for most clubs, unless you've got Jamie McLaren or maybe Adam Taggart, you have to go overseas to find that player. But you need that player. And then you can have the developmental striker, maybe out of the MPL or or some or, or equivalent league, to be the backup, James. And the Raw do have players in that type of role currently. So having Stefan as the lead centre forward and his ability to pass on a little bit of knowledge to Joe Knowles who's currently in that position for the Raw as the backup developmental striker that's really what you want isn't it you want to have the experienced guy who's got proven quality across a lot of European leagues and then the young player coming through who's looking to progress to that next level so you need both so there's no point you can't just have a whole league of guys out of the local competition I mean we've all seen Andy Pangeli play. I think we would all like to see him get the opportunity, but at the moment, the Raw have gone in a different direction, and 
with their developmental striker and they had to bring in somebody with more experience and proven quality right now to deliver the results. And I think that was the prudent and correct path to go as much as I'd love to see Andy get a run. Yeah, and just following on from uh, what Adam was saying before, like there might not be any relegation, but like you're not bringing in these guys. Like A-League clubs, yes, I know they have a responsibility to develop like Australia's best prospects and try and find a way to send them overseas. And look, it's not just an exclusive domain of the A-League sides either. A lot of the NPL clubs will do their share of the work as well. But this is still a results-driven industry and they can't just give young players, you know, 20 games or 20 starts a year for the sake of giving them 20 starts a year because, like, I'm not going to specifically mention people, but we all see, you know, certain uh, ones in our replies who say, oh, it's great seeing the young player get a chance, great seeing the young player get a chance. Then when they don't score for three or four games, oh, they're rubbish, bin them, they're no good, bring in someone else. Like, it's not... Like, they still need to find a way to put the best They're Adam's out. burner accounts, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 because I, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite equivocal on this, is that, uh, that yeah, like I said, that the, these signings, the sign, like I said, a sign like a Sepovich, in a perfect world, if there was relegation, this is the sort of play you go for. You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go and and get a player in a relegation situation that is, you know, that's unproven. Just like if you sack the coach, are you going to go and you know give his assistant, you know, the the lead unless they've been there for a while or they've got head coach experience? So even though in the A League there is no relegation, I, I think it'd be very very foolish. I think. I think it's. I, I applaud the raw for at least trying. Now, because the one the one option would be a case of look. Let's just like I said, we're we're pretty much gone now. Yeah, you know, we, we've lost we've lost our star our our star player. Yeah, you know, we've lost the the guy who's supposed to help him. You know, they're they're gone. Let's just give the kids a run and let's worry about next year. But again, it's a results driven business, and I think especially the raw is that there might be a fate worse than relegation for some people if this fails and I think at least that you know they're going to give a red hot go yeah and as we keep saying there is still plenty to play for in uh, the run home now the question uh, I just want to ask you guys before we wrap up best transfer window we about Noah Smith quickly oh yeah that's right I forgot about him so he's, he's, <laughs> yeah he's been out of shadow there's a lot of, look a lot of people say oh it's just typical recycling but it is a position of need for the Raw, James. They, had, they didn't really have a lot of left-sided options, did they? Carlo Armiento started in that position, but he's clearly preferred now in that attacking third area of the pitch. Jordan Courtney Perkins plays in that position, position, and I think he he's might now be required back. to go to centre-back with the departure of Connor Chapman. So they did need to bring in another option in that area. And as I said earlier, he has had a lot of clubs, James, but he's clearly got some potential because a lot of teams have given him an opportunity. And th- I think... He's a young, a young defender who fills the need. I think it's a worth, again, it's a worthwhile player to bring in, and we'll interesting to see if he gets minutes originally or if he has to come off the bench. I'll be intrigued to see where he fits in, but I don't think that's a bad addition either. Yep, I, yeah, I like the thing, and also again, similar to Taras Gamulka and, um, or not, there's a tie back there to Kovacevic's time at Adelaide United. He's bringing in players he knows and clearly rates. So I think you're going to see that sort of similar profile in terms of the A-League players that they're recruiting, just on the recycling point as well. Like, 
Find me a league that doesn't recycle talent all around. You look at players like David James or like even in the Premier League where he you know, had a pretty solid jersey collection as well. But So that that I don't buy a whole lot of it's either. The big, it's the biggest misnomer of all time, all the recycled league. You know, it's, it's, it's funny for a while, but after a while it's like, well, you know what? It, it's like, it's so, you know, you're, you're ineligible to, to get a job in the league because, you know, you play, you've played for three or four clubs. Like it's just, it's just so stupid. But, it's, uh, it's not baseball. It's not three strikes and you're out. It's yeah. Like if if there's a team willing to give you a job, so be it. Yep. Um. Anyway, uh, quick thoughts as well because uh, Football Australia did announce last week that they are accepting expressions of interest for the national second division, and I think uh, we're going to see the clubs being invited to put forward their expressions of interest over the next few weeks and um, it sounds like with the competition looking to start in 2024 we might see an announcement uh, in the first half of this year for, or at least in the first half of the calendar year yeah, it's um. Like I said we we knew it was coming. That it has to, like I said, we're, we're all we're all pretty straightforward. That you know the national second division needs to happen. We need to we need to sort of go get that bridge between the professional game and the grassroots game. But uh, look, I, I'll be watching with a lot of interest to see you know what what comes out of this as far as who puts their hands up as far as you know being interested, because at the end of the day. It is a massive expense, especially what some of the conditions that the that Football Australia have laid out as far as, you know, even being that first round being interested parties. Like, the, I don't know where the money is going to come from. Like, you know, even, even you know, the, the, the sort of, you know, to be able to pay 20 players plus 10 staff members, you know, a full-time wage. Like, where, where is this money going to come from? So, and look, yes, we know without, you know, the whole thing of having a, quote, a truly national competition. Uh, look, I, I'm my prediction is going to be that there's going to be a lot of uh, discord as far as, you know, the first round, if they even get 12 teams. Because I reckon nine of those clubs are going to come from Victoria. So, is it, a case, is it going to be a case of, you know, oh, it's, it's the, quote, national second division. And the, and the running joke, obviously, with the A-League is that, you know, it's a Sydney-centric competition. Well, you may have a Melbourne-centric, uh, you know, national second division. It's time for clubs to put up or shut up, isn't it, James? There's a lot of, lot of big clubs around the country who have been talking a big game about their desire to be a part of a potential second division. A couple of clubs up here have been linked to it. We'll see who exactly puts their hands up, but... It's time for clubs to put their money where their mouth is. To Adam's point, if they've got the ability to put together a squad of 20 professional players and 10 staff and meet the criteria, put your hat in the ring. Let's see. I think I think it'll be very interesting to see who actually does. And I imagine, James, there's going to be a cut-off point in terms of there has to be enough interest nationwide for this to work. It can't just be Adam saying oh, it could be 19 out of Victoria. I don't think that will get over, get off the ground because it's just not national enough so there will be a tipping point where if there's not a team from Queensland from West Australia South Australia a couple from New South Wales a couple from Victoria if that's not the spread I can see them pivoting to that secondary option which was the Champions League format which was also mooted during the week as that might be the way to go it may not be a home and away league to start with it may be a Champions League style midweek competition my gut feeling James is I think Every every NPL club in the country would be up for the Champions League model. I don't know how many would be able to realistically 
push for the second division model, but let's see. Maybe there's a lot more out there than I than I know. So we'll have to wait and see. For me, if you can't manage a full home and away season, then you shouldn't be entering. Plain plain and simple. And if you and if they can't get the interest there for a full home and away season, it shouldn't happen. I'd also go one step further and say, look, I'm sure that there's clubs out there that can probably that probably could find an investor, find a sponsor that could that could fund fund that for the first year, maybe two years. But but I'm not looking at 2024. I'm looking at 2026, and thinking that no, not everyone can win. Not everyone can be successful in this league. And at some point, those teams that aren't successful, they're benefactors and who are going to, uh, who are, you know, propping them up after year one, year two, are going to start asking some serious questions about the rate of investment, the return on investment. And the, the, I think at the end of the day, what we want, we all want a national second division, but we also want one that's going to last more than two or three years. Because at the end of the day, we're not, like I said, there's no question, there are probably four or five clubs that could do it no problem have got the support that, that they're, they're, they'll be they'll be in just by putting their hand up but a league is not four or five clubs it's 12 strong clubs then you know be able to support that with a pathway for teams to be relegated promoted you know the fact that teams have got to leave their have got to leave their current competitions you know if they leave and then get relegated or have to withdraw will they be welcomed back there's so much on on the line and like I said it's easy to say right now oh yeah we've got the money for 2024 do you have the money in a couple of years time when you know there's going to be questions asked about whether this investment's worth it or not yeah and I think that is also what where a lot of these teams I think the ones that we are going to see going in they're probably going to look to make a splash early on for that commercial boost Um, yep and it is going to be very interesting just to see how it is structured early like I can understand the skepticism as well and look I I do eventually want to see a situation where you've got you know a national second division uh, possibly even a third tier eventually where you do have a full connected pyramid but the one thing that I do feel like gets missed a lot by you know the supporters of some of those more historic clubs who say oh well you know take a look at these A-league sides that aren't going to be able to survive if they drop down to the second division when we get promotion and relegation. Let's not be too confident here that every side that goes into the second division and struggle is going to find a way to survive either because I do think a lot of these clubs are going... We are going to have a couple of clubs that find ways to overextend themselves. I don't know who because we don't know who's going to be a part of it, but there is going to be a situation where I think you're going to see some of these clubs going well beyond their means and you're going to see them all of a sudden having to drop out for financial reasons as well so look there's a lot of optimism for it going forward despite what we have said and i think we are really looking forward to seeing how it goes but for me aside from the prerequisites that football australia have laid out it needs to like the clubs need to show that they are going to be sustainable as you said adam for five years under the current revenue projection models maybe with a you know 10% margin for error either side it needs to be a properly national competition so if it's a 9 out of 12 in Victoria say yeah no Mm. it's not going to work and you need to be able to commit to a full home and away season that is first and foremost what you need as well because 
like for all the complaints about the third round of A-League fixtures being you know, imbalanced at the moment because you're only playing some teams three times and other teams twice, you're at least getting two matches against every opponent in the competition. So that's where I'm leaving it. And we will have to keep uh, moving on as well because we do have... The lowest number they've said is 10, isn't it? Between 10 and 16 is what they're yep. looking for. So at 10, you're probably looking at three from New South Wales and Victoria each, and then one from Queensland, South Australia, West Australia, and then a wild card. It's, that's the bare minimum that you would need. Yep. And then if you're going to yep. go to 12, 14, 16, you work it out from there. But that's the that's the bare minimum to make it a national second division. But we'll see what happens when the, the EOI ends in May. And um, just to use parlance from my day job as well, Dollar one odds that uh, one club is going to that has been talking a big game is going to not choose to enter the second division because they don't think that uh, the process is fair or that they think the restriction uh, that it's too, the entry is too restrictive as well. Again, don't know who, but I can almost guarantee that is going to happen. I could name some names, but we've got to move on, don't we? Yes, we do. Uh, this weekend, Friday, the Raw Raw are at home to the Central Coast Mariners up at KO Stadium. What are you looking for out of this one, Adam? Look, I think it's going to be a good game. I think um, both. I think Raw are going to need to attack. I think Central Coast naturally are entertained to watch. So I'm, I'm looking for this game to to, um, to watch it. But and uh, obviously, yeah, Central Coast Mariners will be without their their Vanuatu rock in um, in Brian Kaltak, who was suspended. And uh, look, I. I'd like to think that the Raw at home could be good, at least good for a draw, but I think this will be a very entertaining game. No Caltech may mean former Western Pride defender Dan Hall gets a start for Central Coast, which would be great to see him play back up here. James, the question for the Raw is, who's going to be playing in this game? Is Marcel Canardi going to be ready to play? Is Sepovitz going to be ready to play? Is Cruz ready to play? Right? Is Noah Smith ready to play? That's the big question, isn't it, James? Because we don't know. We haven't, none of them, were obviously a couple of money arrived this week and none of them played at the weekend in the game against Adelaide. So we don't know if they're ready to play. Hopefully they are, because the Raw are going to need them in this game to try and get the points. But at home, James and Raw have been pretty good, haven't they? In most, just about every home game other than Melbourne City this year, they've been right in the contest, picking up points. So I think they'll get something out of the game, but it just depends on if the new signings are ready to go, whether it's one point or three. They need goals. Plain and simple. Like this is really at the point of the season now where as we've been saying for the last hour, they just need to find a way to hit the accelerator and keep moving on. Um, the one thing we one story that came out this morning that we uh, didn't mention as well, uh, but we probably should, the A Leagues have launched their Pride round, which is going to take place at the end of February, the twenty fourth to twenty sixth as well. So um, that was today's big breaking story as well. Don't really think we need to add too much more to that because, well, we're not going to delve into the comment sections because that is... Is that a home game for the Raw or is that going to be an away game? I think they're away 20... that weekend on the 20th. They're away... Uh, no, they're at home. 24th, 26th? Yeah, they're at home. Okay, cool. Well, there you go. So that's uh, another reason... And to the get... women are away in Perth. Well, there you go. Either way, another reason to get out to KO Stadium on that Sunday as well. Um, the women are at home at Parc de Paris on Saturday. It's a 2pm kickoff, so bring the sunscreen, oh. fluids, IV drips, just anything to get yourself through two hours in a uh, muggy February afternoon in southeast Queensland, Adam. Yeah, less said about this uh, kickoff uh, date, the better. I know Scott's got some thoughts on on all that. Look, this is a six-pointer. 
in my opinion, for the Raw, because at the moment, Melbourne Victory are six points clear in fourth uh, with a game, an extra game played. The Raw, if the Raw can win this, they're right in the hunt for the top four. So this is an important game for both sides. Victory can really sort of, you know, put a gap on the rest of the field with a win. Raw can keep into it. I think it, it comes down to that. Look, I think Raw, um, look, we're, we're hoping, we're waiting for this uh, this, uh, this attacking juggernaut there to wake up. Maybe in the heat of Saturday afternoon, if they don't, um, if they don't uh, melt, I know that probably Melbourne Victory probably will melt. Scott? Yeah, uh, uh, James, other leagues would have sorted this, this um, kick-off time issue in a week. Other professionals also would have had this sorted out by now. The fact the A-League's waiting till next season, I've don't understand it. But anyway, on the game, it's a huge game for the Raw. They have to win. But in terms of, as Adam said, victory of fourth, the Raw of fifth. If the Raw win the game, they're right in the race for top four. If they drop this, drop this game, it might be leaving themselves too much to do. So it's a huge game. I think they will get. I think they actually will get the result in this game for the sake of the league. Because if, if victory win the game, James, you can almost almost say the top, the final spots are settled. So for the league sector, they need the Raw to win and hopefully they'll come away with the points on, on a warm and warm and um, humid Saturday afternoon up at Parc de Paris. Yes, and um, we should also point out, every team in the top six are playing each other this weekend. So we've got Western United, Melbourne City, uh, Sydney FC taking on Canberra, so second against sixth. Oh, third against sixth, I beg your pardon. And uh, Melbourne Victory, Brisbane Raw. So six points between the two sides at the moment. The Raw do have a game in hand. But yeah, this is a, simply a must-win for the Raw win that you're down to three with your game in hand so plenty on the line this saturday get out to those games if you can because it's one of the rare times the raw teams are at home uh both raw teams are at home this weekend and there is also the npl season uh kicking off with the kappa pro series in the men's competition uh this weekend and also the women's round one and uh on saturday night some australia cup games on as well yes there is um so plenty of a-League and local football to get out to as well. We'll be uh, tuning into a lot of those. I'll be commentating the Capalabar-Gold Coast United game Saturday evening, so uh, feel free to watch that one and make me feel like I'm somewhat important. I do need the ego boost. But in the meantime, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yep, thank you and good night, gentlemen. And Scott, thank you. Thank you. And just quickly, the NPL Sunday Show will be back this week as well so we're returning with the MPL Sunday show this week to you recap all, the, all those local competitions so if you're into local football tune into that as well uh, sorry guys I can't be on MPL Sunday this week it's a conflict of interest I've got the Super Bowl Monday morning so uh, I'm going to have to deal with that but also who are you again? If, if we're going to uh, quickly plug that as well we're also going to record our NPLW season preview show right after this as well so if you're listening into the podcast feed uh, we've got two episodes coming your way this week, which uh, we're all looking forward to. And also, we will have MPL Sunday back on Saturday. I'm tipping the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, and a six-point weekend for the Raw would be nice to go with that as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you later. <laughs>